Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. Heavenly Father, we just uh, pray your blessings on this time. We just pray that uh, as uh, you give us uh, insight and uh, information, understanding, and revealing different things to us that happened in Acts chapter 1, Lord, that we can take this and, and take it into our own lives, Lord God, and grow. Grow with it and uh, draw closer to you. And Lord, we pray that in your precious name. Amen. What I want to do is read the first five verses of Acts chapter 1. And if you have a Bible and want to follow it with me, um, uh, this is the uh, uh, new King James Version, but yours might be a little bit different, and we'll see where this goes. So we'll start off with verse 1. And uh, by the way, the Acts of the Apostles was written by Luke. Okay, so <clears throat> the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being sent by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Boy, there's a lot in here. I'll talk about verse 4 and and 5 for a little while. Uh, He says, the first thing, and and Jay kind of mentioned this last week about waiting. He he sent the apostles, told the apostles that they were to wait for the promise that was coming. And waiting is not easy. It's a very difficult thing to do. I think of uh, back in, I guess it was the 80s and 90s when McDonald's first became uh, the uh, great restaurant, you know, that, uh, that, that was the big thing about McDonald's was you didn't have to wait. You know, you ordered that hamburger and you blinked and there it was. You know, it was all cooked and, and ready for you. And they, they did very, very well in selling that as, you know, you can come up and it's cheap and, and you don't have to wait like you do in a restaurant because people don't like to wait. Right? It's something that, you know, especially if you don't know how long you have to wait for something. You know, if somebody says, wait a minute, that's, that's one thing. But somebody just says, wait, like Jesus did with the apostles. Wait, just go to Jerusalem and wait. It's a long, you know, not really sure. So it takes a, takes a lot of uh, obedience with that. My first experience spiritually with waiting uh, came when uh, I had just been saved, and this was back in the late 1980s. 
Okay, I was around 35 years old when I gave my life to the Lord, and I was attending a church at the time. And being a teacher, they asked me to be the youth group leader. So I, I started uh, teaching uh, the, uh, at the uh, youth group on, I think it was Friday nights when we did it. But there was a prophet that came to the church, and uh, they wanted all the leaders to come up, and you got prophesied over by the prophet that, that came up. So I said, oh, that's exciting for me, you know even prophesied over, I'll find out, you know, what's my future? What, what am I going to be doing? So uh, they lined us up, and there were uh, several leaders in front of me, and this prophet was going down and uh, going down the line and praying over people and saying the great things. You know, you are going to do these great things for the Lord, and you will be a great teacher or a great missionary and great this, great that. And I'm listening to all these things as we're going down the line. And he gets to me, and he prays over me, and he said, this is a time to wait on the Lord. I said, that's it? This is the time to wait on the Lord. <laughs> what happened to my future? You know, what happened to what all the great things I was going to do? And as I really did some research on that, um, waiting is a very important part of your Christian walk. It's it's one of those things. You know, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall soar on the wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. Okay? So waiting on the Lord is, is a very important thing in the kingdom of God. We don't always do it well, but it, it is something that, you know, that you have to do at, on occasions. And the apostles were told, go to Jerusalem and wait. Didn't say how long. Uh, God did say not many days. But, you know, in the kingdom of God, not many days could be a long time. You know, at the end of the book of Revelation, about 2,000 years ago, God said, I am coming soon. That was 2,000 years ago. Okay? So, you know, what is soon? Of course, in comparison with eternity, any time on earth is short. You know, that's because eternity is, is forever. It's a long time. Okay, so I want to show you something that a lot of times we overlook. The, the disciples, the apostles, were very obedient. And it's important to understand that because as God shows us things... The important thing in our growth within the kingdom of God is going to be our obedience to it. You know, we can spend time with God and we can hear what God has for us. Some important things, we could hear it maybe in prophecy at some time, whatever it might be. But it's the obedience that we show. And obedience comes in very, very small things. It's one of those things that grows You know, when you're obedient in little things, God gives you something greater. And you're obedient in that, and God gives you something even more greater. But if you weren't obedient back in that little thing in the beginning, whatever it might be, you may never get to the point where God shows you anything greater to do. So obedience was important. 
And obedience came when, uh, if you look at verse 12, where, you know, God had told them to go to Jerusalem. So verse 12 says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. That's where they had been, um, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. And I think that we know it's ten days. They didn't. At least there's no, uh, there's, there's nothing in scripture that says they knew they were going to be waiting ten days and that's when it was going to, going to happen. So, think of, of them now being in the upper room. I'm, I'm sure they didn't live in the upper room. They probably lived in their own homes but went every day and spent the day in the upper room. And they were up there praying in one accord. Okay, so that would, that's important too. But they were praying. But th- think after about a week, if some of them might have said, you know, we've been here a whole week now. I'm not seeing anything happening. I'm not coming back tomorrow. I, I, I'm just going to go back and go fishing or whatever they did for a living at that time. Okay, think of how easily that could have happened. Because, again, they didn't know how long it was going to be. So, is it going to be another week after this? Maybe a month after this? I mean, I'm going to just keep coming to this upper room and praying? That could have happened. Didn't happen, though. Not according to Scripture. They stayed in the upper room the entire time, okay, until that day, the day with Pentecost uh, Sunday, where we're going to talk about a little bit about next week. So obedience was very, very important in that, in the waiting. Okay, let's go back to verse 4. It said, but they had to wait for the promise of the Father. And I want to just use that word for a little while, promise. God gives us a lot of promises, all right? Does, Does this number sound very familiar to you? 7,000... 487. Does that mean anything to anybody? 7,487. That's the number of promises in the Bible. There are 7,487 promises. I didn't count them all, believe me. All right? I just read it somewhere. I, I, I'm assuming that what they were writing was correct because why, why would they write something that was uh, something different? But what we have to remember about promises is that many promises are conditional. They're conditional. Uh, If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask what you will and it will be given to you. So there's a condition here. 
If you abide in me and my word abides in you. Okay, many times, and, and you've probably heard people say, I prayed for that, I didn't get it. God didn't answer my prayer. And now I don't know, I'm not judging the person, but it could be because the condition wasn't met. You know, you, we're supposed to be taking God's word, spending time in it, taking that word into our hearts. Sometimes that comes with memorizing the scripture so that you have it, you know, in, in you at all times. But the, the scripture, we need to be living God's word. It needs to be in our hearts. All right, and, and our hearts are very, very important in regard to what we do. We can do things on occasion that are really good things, but they're not done with the right heart attitude. All right, I, I can I can see a, a need where somebody, maybe a neighbor, needs needs food for some reason. And I bring them food, and then I tell everybody about it. How great I am, because I did food. I did a really good thing. And I, I might even said, God, I'm doing this for you. But I really wasn't if my heart's not in the right place. And that's why your, your heart attitude has to be really important uh, in, in these things. So that, that is that condition. Jeremiah 29.13, and I have to turn there myself because that's not one of the scriptures I have memorized, uh, shows us another uh, condition that says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, here we are again. There's a condition here. See, God says, if you seek him, you'll find him. But only if you search for him with all your heart. Okay? So that's, that's again, the, the condition that, that is there. There are conditional things. So here's God's promise. God promised the apostles the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But they could have missed that promise too. They could have given up after seven days that we talked about before and just gone home. They would not have gotten the blessing. They would not have received the promise. So the promise, even to them, had to come. With obedience, it was really important that they that they obey. That promise uh, was made more than once. If we look at Luke twenty four, verse forty six, and then reading on, it says, "Then he said to them, this is Jesus' words in red. Thus it is written." And thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So this was 
promised before, it was renewed again uh, at the beginning of Acts. So, he's talking about power. So what does this power look like? I'm sure the apostles really didn't know. I'm sure they didn't know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. That was, to them, this is all new stuff. It's like... uh, a person, a new person comes to the Lord for the first time, and if you say baptism in the Holy Spirit, well, what's that? You know? Uh, so, here we are. So, I, I, I do want to spend time, and, and, and this is kind of a sneak preview into next week. We'll be talking a lot about that next week, and not, to the, not so much today. But I do want to show you something today before we move on to that. John uh, chapter 20, verse 22. This was, uh, again, Jesus talking to his apostles. Let's go back to verse 20. This was right after the resurrection. And it says, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad that they had seen the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If they retain the sins of any, they are retained. So there was a time when Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. So why are they waiting now for the promise of the Holy Spirit? Okay, this, this is to show that there is a difference, alright? The apostles had the Holy Spirit. You guys have the Holy Spirit. All of us do, because when we dedicate our lives to the Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit. That's automatic. Okay, the Spirit lives in us. But there is a difference between that and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what they were waiting for. So you have a whole week now to think about that, because I am not going to say anything more on that right now. Okay, so we're back at the book of Acts. Let's look at verse 6. It says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. I think for the apostles, restoring the kingdom of, to Israel was, I think still in the back of their minds, was God was going to be king. They were going to remove Rome from the picture because Rome was ruling over Israel at the time, the great Roman Empire. And so in, in it, was, it wasn't just the apostles. I think this was... Many of the Jewish people felt that when Jesus came, when the, when, when the king came, he was going to take over as king over, over Israel. But the restoration in Jesus' eyes is a little bit different. And I want you to just look at Acts chapter 3, verse 21. So we can see the difference. Uh, I'm going to uh, start in verse 19. Repent, therefore, 
and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. See, God isn't going to just restore Israel. God's going to restore all things. I think what he, what he means by that is, you know, when God first created Adam, Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden, that's the way he wanted things. Now, it didn't stay that way because of sin. All right? Sin took us away and out of that. But one day, God's going to restore all things. It's, it's all going to come back to the way God wanted it. And I think that's what heaven's going to be. That's what heaven's going to be like. So we're looking forward to that time. But anyway, I wanted to zero in on that, on that word. Okay, now... See, we're speeding through the book of Acts chapter 1 here. Look at this. We got up to verse 6 already. All right. So, um, let's, I, I want to go to uh, verse 9. All right, because we're going to skip over the power of the Holy Spirit, because we're going to talk more about that uh, next week. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. To me, this is so exciting and and important at the same time because we're going to see scripture after scripture after scripture referring back to this. I want to show you some of the the scriptures and talk about it. Um, Jesus was assumed, ascended into, into heaven. And uh, when the angel asked the apostles, well, why are you looking up? He's going to come back the same way. All right? We don't know when. All right? And matter of fact, even Jesus didn't know when. He said he gave that to the Father. He said that's what the Father knows, that that, that time, when that time is going to come. But at some point... He's going to come down, and every eye is going to see him. And it's important to know that, because occasionally you'll hear people say, He came. He came already. He, he, he's out here. He's there. You know, there's all kinds of teachings out there. But it says every eye will see him. And we never heard anybody saying, or well, everybody saw Jesus coming back. But let's take a look at some of the, uh, the scriptures that we could talk about here. First, first uh, scripture would be 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, starting in verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, 
and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So none of us know how long we're going to live. All right, that's, that's always one of those mysteries. If Jesus comes back while we are still alive, okay, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, going to meet him in the air, and then we are. Isn't that exciting? I mean, I just, wow, can't wait. Leave everything else, leave everything else behind. All right, this being taught in, in Christian circles is called the rapture. All right, that's a word that's not used in, in Scripture that I know of. Uh, the word rapture, unless they translate one of these verses in, in that way, but in, in essence, it's that's going to happen because it's very, very scriptural. Um, Revelation one seven is another scripture that te- talks about the same thing. Uh, Revelation one. Verse 7, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Okay, and I think that's just referring to people who don't know him. All right, they're going to mourn because it's, they're not going to get caught up in the air when Jesus comes, uh, comes back. All right, so that, that is going to be an awful sight uh, for them. Uh, another is uh, in the book of Titus, uh, chapter 2, verse 13, where it just says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Matthew twenty four forty four says, Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay, all these scriptures constantly referring to the sucking coming of Jesus Christ and the fact that we need to be prepared for that because we don't know the day or the hour for that. Uh, I, I want to talk about two scriptures that shows our part in the second coming. Do you know we have a part in it too? Okay, let's look at some of those scriptures. And uh, Matthew twenty four fourteen. We'll start with, with that one. It says, "And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come." Okay, the end will not come. Until the gospel is preached to all the world. Okay, now, if you read different people's interpretation of that, um, we're not sure exactly what all the world means. Because there, there are, there are tribes probably in Africa, in the deep jungles of Africa, that we still have not reached with the gospel. Are we waiting for that? We're not really sure. 
All right. Is it a general, more of a general meaning of it reached the continent of Africa or did it reach every tribe? Um, that, I think that's an unknown. But what's our part in here? Our part is to preach the gospel. And we can't get ourselves to every part of the world, but we can support missionaries who are doing that. Okay, we are, as a church, do that. We, we, we're supporting, um, we're, we're country of the, Chile, Chile in, the, in the country of Chile. So we, we, we kind of take our part in that, in, in doing that. And I'm sure individually, um, many of you who know missionaries, Leanne, you know, uh, from the missionary from Israel, uh, we're just praying for. Um, these are people that we can help out in some way, whatever, whatever way that might be. There's also a scripture in Hebrews, and that would be chapter 9. Let's see if I can find it quickly. And verse 28. I'll start in... And I'll start in 27. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. To those who eagerly wait for him. Okay, now. That's something that I, I think, and, and I talk, I, I say this because of my personal experience. I don't often think of that. You know, I don't often think in terms of I'm eagerly waiting for the second return. There are times when things are not going well and I say, Lord, when are you coming back? You know, but there's, I, I don't think of, you know, day by day of the, the, the eagerly and it's, it's something that, um, it's talking about here that it's it's very uh, very important. So um, it, it's something that if God, if you feel God's moving on you for that, that that's something that somehow that you get into your spirit uh, to what can I do to eagerly wait for the Lord to be looking up and 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 uh, being excited about the fact that He is coming back. We just don't know when. Last scripture that I want to look at, John uh, chapter 14. Let's go back to the Gospels. John chapter 14. This is something that, there's something wrong with us if we don't get excited about this. Chapter, I mean, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Okay, I will come again. And receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Okay, so God is preparing 
a place for us. And he's going to come back and take us with him. Okay? Again, if we pass away before then, he'll we'll just rise out of the grave. And if not, we'll just be, uh, uh, go up into the heavens to meet him. Some very uh, exciting things that uh, can happen with this. I've been reading a book uh, called uh, Shifting. And it's, it's interesting because there are times in our Christian walk where we do have to shift from one thing to another. Uh, it happened to the apostles. They, in, in the book of Acts, are shifting from a time where they were learning, just walking with Jesus, you know, gleaning everything they could in the three years that they spent with him. Now to a time when they'll receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receive the power, and now walk on their own. We'll talk next week about, you know, what that really, really meant, what it really looked like. But we have times in our lives, too, where we have to shift a little bit, where God is going to show us, bring us to the point where uh, we do more than, you know, come to church on Sunday. Nothing wrong with that, obviously. But do more than that and shift into, Lord, what do you want us to be doing uh, to work with you? You see, Jesus gave the apostles a time and a place to be. He told them to go to Jerusalem. They had to be in Jerusalem, that place, and they had to be in there at a specific time to receive that blessing, the blessing of the baptism. And God does the same thing with us. He gives us a place and a time. We're, we're born at this time. We have a, a, a place. We're in Bridgeville, this church, but we're also in Dutchess County. We're in this country of the United States. We could have been anywhere in the world. We wound up here. So God placed us here at a specific time and a specific place. But we don't want to miss the blessing. Whatever God has for us, and that's us individually to find out. That's not something that I can say from up here, preaching it and saying, this is what you have to do or what you should be doing. Only God, and between you and God, is going to, you're going to figure, figure those things out. But God has a plan. God has a purpose. And we don't want the Lord coming back one day. And we were still sitting around trying to figure out what our purpose was. And we never really knew. So we never really did anything to complete it. So these, these are things that... The apostles give us the example of, you know, they were obedient, went to the place at the time, and then eventually received the blessing and then used it. That we're going to talk about next week. But we have to apply that to our own lives and say, what things can we glean from that so that we can do the same thing in our own lives?